0: I will confess it's happened to me in fact it happened back in March right before the whole lockdown I I went to a conference a preacher conference over in Indianapolis it's one I go to every spring I I love going to it I I see the same faces every year I meet people and I meet them again because sometimes I'm not so good with names but I recognize the faces and we were there in the entry area where a lot of people were gathered together and I see a familiar face across the room and a big smile and a big wave came my way and so I smiled back and I waved back and I hear this gentleman from across the room say how are you doing and I said I'm great how are you and then he looked at me very confused and he said no I'm talking to the person behind you oh in that moment the, the ground did not open up and swallow me, although it could have. I was very embarrassed at my presumption there. There was no place to hide. And when that happens, you just keep your head down and you don't make eye contact anymore. <sighs> Maybe that's happened to you. We've all had those moments where somebody is talking to us and we start to wonder, well, are they, are they talking to me? Are they talking to someone else? Should I be listening more than I am? Should I have a response ready? And and sometimes we find out, no, they've got one of those Bluetooth headphones on and they're talking to someone else or there's someone behind us. You know, I think about that as I read the Bible sometimes. Have we ever stopped and asked as we're reading the Bible, is, is this person talking to me? We read the words of Jesus. And, and we realize that on one level, we are overhearing a conversation as we read Jesus's words, because you and I, we're not on that mountainside or that level place where Jesus is preaching that sermon. We're, we're listening in. We're kind of eavesdropping, but we're doing a holy eavesdropping because the Holy Spirit is enabling us to, to eavesdrop. And so often the words are not spoken to us, but boy, they hit us right in the gut, and we find ourselves confronted and, and encouraged at times. I think that's something we've found especially true as we've made our way through the gospel of Luke this year, because as, as Luke records Jesus's words, he he weaves them together in ways so that we both overhear the conversation and then we are drawn into the conversation and we hear these words for ourselves so that when Jesus speaks words of comfort or even conviction to the crowd, we find ourselves right there hearing his words, needing his words and needing to be changed by his words. I think that's something that happens to us, especially this week as we look at Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. I want to begin as we get into Luke chapter 12. I want to begin with the last part of this scripture instead of the first. Look, look at what Jesus says. Listen to him in these words, verses 32 through 34. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old and with tre- with a treasure in heaven that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is he, is he talking to me? Is he, is he talking to us? Who, who is this little flock that he is talking to? Who is this little flock for whom he encourages with the words, fear not. We might be tempted to, to look behind us and ask, is it us like I did at that conference? And, you know, we, we, we look back there and we see, you know, actually, he is. He, he is talking to someone else. Jesus is talking to a crowd of people who know nothing but poverty. That's, that's the audience to whom Jesus is speaking that day when he speaks these words. Luke introduces us to that audience at the beginning of chapter 12. It's there in that first verse that Luke writes, In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another. Whoa, hold on a minute. Trampling. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that kind of crowd stepping over and stepping on each other? They're, They're pressed in, all of them wanting to hear Jesus, all of them wanting his touch. They want his healing, but they, they also want to hear his wisdom. Likely, I think about the thousands that are there, there's likely some who were there earlier in chapter 9, where Jesus fed the 5,000. And so they're, they're listening, they're hearing him. They're also hungry. And so in there in chapter 12, verse 1, Jesus warns his disciples, he goes on and he says, he began to say to the disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, the leaven of the Pharisees. My wife uh, makes pizza dough, just about every week we have pizza and she makes her own pizza dough. And you know, you put a little yeast, a little leaven in the dough, you work it in there and you set it aside, you cover it and you wait and poof, it, it gets bigger. This crowd that's following Jesus in the wilderness, they, they followed him there again and they are hungry again. And so he begins by warning his disciples that there, there are attitudes within you. There are, there are hungers within you that you don't dare feed because if you do, they grow in you. They take over like yeast. Specifically, he's talking about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is one of those attitudes. I don't know if you remember, but a chapter earlier in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, he addressed the Pharisees and he said to them then Woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. There are things that we can do that make us look very holy. But if we're not doing justice, if we're not loving kindness, if we're not walking humbly with our God, we've missed the point. And Jesus says, beware of this. Watch out for these attitudes. Don't let them grow inside you. Jesus is talking to that crowd. They are hungry and they're hoping that he and his disciples will feed them again again. You know, this is a crowd in that world. This is a crowd that worked every day and they got exactly what they needed to survive for that day. They would work a day, they would get paid a day. They would work a day, they would get paid a day. They would take the money that they got paid that day and they would spend it on the food and the things that they needed to survive. And then they would get up again tomorrow and do it all over again. And if they took a day off, that was a day that their family didn't eat. They had nothing for them. They've all taken the day off and followed Jesus into the wilderness. That's who Jesus is talking to. And so you hear what he says to that kind of crowd, to that crowd here. Verse 22 of Luke chapter 12, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be "...anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that... that knew nothing but poverty. And he tells them, do not be anxious. Why? Because I'm here to feed you. Consider the ravens, he says. By the way, the ravens, that was a, one of the birds that was listed as an unclean bird in the Old Testament. They, they're nasty. They're, they're vile creatures. And yet God cares for them. God feeds them. And Jesus says, you are much more valuable than the birds they needed to hear that that crowd did that crowd that was trampling on each other they needed to hear that they were valuable and they needed to treat each other that way so they could understand their value to God and their value to to each other so we're listening in you and me on that conversation that's that's who Jesus is talking to but if we look behind us, there's someone else back there also, because it's Luke who is writing this story down, and he's writing this story down for the Christians of, of his day and, and the struggles that they were facing. So you and I need to realize we're, we're listening in and we're, we're listening to what Luke is writing, and Luke is writing to a church that is struggling to just hold together. You know, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, obviously, and then afterwards he goes on and writes a sequel called the Book of Acts, also found in your Bible, and there's an interesting comment that Luke makes right there at the very beginning of the Gospel, of, or of the Book of Acts. It's in the first verse, in fact, he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, he writes, in the first book, in the Gospel that we're reading right now, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so as the book of Acts continues, it's still about what Jesus is doing and teaching. It's not just the story of the early church. Acts is the story of Jesus as well, what he was still doing through his church. Why he began his time here in person in the Gospels and then continued to work through his church in the book of Acts, just as he continues to work in you and me. The book of Acts tells the story of a church that was struggling to hold together. Through the book, we see those early Christians, those first Christians, we see them facing persecution. They are persecuted by the religious leaders of their day. They are persecuted by the government, by the political leaders of their day. We see them struggling both as individuals and as a group, but we see them as individuals struggling as as they're abandoned by their families and as they are forced together and forced to take care of each other. And on top of that, you add a a brand new tension that no one had ever had before. For the first time, Jews and Gentiles, people who historically did not do anything together, for the first time, Jews and Gentiles are worshiping together, learning to put their differences aside and, and learning to take care of each other. Those are the people that Luke wrote this story to, to remind them of all that Jesus began to do and to teach and to remind them of their part in continuing what Jesus began to do and teach. And so they're listening in on what Luke has written, what Jesus has said, and they're hearing these words. And they're hearing the words of verses 29 through 31, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world. Seek after these things. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. (laughs) Seek his kingdom. Do you remember that prayer that Jesus taught us just back in the first, back in the previous chapter, chapter 11, Uh, that prayer that Jesus taught that, that prayer that the early church prayed, that we continue to pray. Back in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, Jesus teaches them to pray, and he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. The very first request of the Lord's prayer is, Your kingdom come. And what does he say here to those early Christians? Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Just as much as that crowd in the wilderness trampling on each other, the, the message for that church is for the messages for that church that's trying to hold together. And so just as Jesus had fed them in the wilderness... What happens in the, in the book of Acts? What do we see in the book of Acts? Well, if we could turn to Acts chapter 2, and it's there in verses 44 through 46 that we read of that early church very, very early on. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And then we can go on and we can see in chapter 4, verses uh, 34 and 35, there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. What did they do? They they cared for each other. Later on in in Acts chapter 6, Uh, They organized, that early church organized so that there was food that could be distributed daily to those of certain ethnicities that were being left out, that were being neglected. Jesus, Jesus taught them to pray, your kingdom come. And he reminded them that God feeds the ravens and you are of much more value than the birds. And he told them all to seek his kingdom and all these things that, that make you anxious would be added to you. The early church struggling to hold together. They, they were desperate to hear this message. So we're, we're listening over their shoulders also. But the key is we're listening. And we're, what we hear Jesus telling those people in the wilderness that day and, and what we hear Luke writing down for the church of his day. It it all comes down to us today, and we hear that we are the answer to that prayer, your kingdom come. So Jesus is talking to a crowd of people out there in the wilderness that work from day to day. They know nothing but poverty, Luke is writing to a church that is facing trouble and is, they're doing their best to hold together and to hold on to one another. And you and I are listening in. And what do we hear? Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And we realize that's, that's exactly what we need to hear because we've been praying. We've been praying and praying, your kingdom come and we need to see that it comes with us. And he says in verse 33, Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. He read in the book of Acts there in chapter 2 and chapter 4, that early church took those words very seriously. <laughs> I like the NIV version of that verse the niv says make purses for yourselves that will not wear out now that concerns me because my wife makes purses and i'm a little worried that she'd be out of work if our purses didn't wear out but what jesus is telling us all is that the location of our treasure ultimately determines its value if your treasure is here just here it is going to rot it is going to rust it is going to wear out it is going to (laughs) depreciate But if your treasure is in heaven, it's eternal. So if we seek his kingdom together today, our treasure is secure. And if your treasure is secure, your heart is secure. He says in verse 39, "...for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." You know, if you remember back, this all started because a man interrupted Jesus' sermon. Not something I recommend doing. But, but Jesus' sermon was interrupted in verse 13 here of chapter 12 by a man who said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. <laughs> he wanted his treasure, he wanted it all. He wanted it all for himself, and he wanted it now. And that man in the crowd became a warning. For the people in the crowd jesus said to the crowd that day in verse 15 take care and be on your guard against that kind of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions And that became a warning for jesus's church in verse 21 so is the one who lays up treasures for himself but is not rich toward god and it became a call to all of us to live out that prayer, your kingdom come. And so I have to ask us all, where is our treasure? Is our treasure in the kingdom? Now, now hear me, hear me out. I'm not saying is your treasure in heaven, is your treasure up there in heaven, but is your treasure in the kingdom? Is our treasure found in us bringing God's kingdom to earth Is our treasure treasure found in in our generous buckets here at Kansas Christian Church where we ask you every week, just drop a dollar in there and at the end of the month, we take that money and we meet a need in our community. Is our treasure found in the benevolent work that we do here at the church where we care for the hurting in our community, we feed people, we clothe people, we care for them in the midst of their need. Is our treasure found in the way that we love and support one another? the way we take meals to our friends, the way that we call them up and check on them, the way we give people rides and we care for one another, are we, through the way that we give, through the way that we share, are we answering that prayer together? Your kingdom come. Jesus began this section by telling the disciples, by telling the church, by telling us, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat nor about your body, what you will put on every day. Every day we have hundreds of voices telling us that we need to be anxious, telling us what we need to be anxious about, what we need to be worried about. We need to be worried about the virus. We need to be worried about the economy. We need to be worried about unrest. We need to be worried about politics and jobs and homelessness and all kinds of troubles. And we listen to those voices, and you and I respond to those voices. We buy insurance. We invest in mutual funds. We become preppers. We prepare for the worst. And there is one voice, one voice reaching through history, reaching through the story of our faith, one voice that says, do not be anxious. One voice that says, fear not. Little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you His kingdom. We hear that voice. Are we listening to that voice? Do we hear Him not just for ourselves? Do we hear Him for the little flock? Do we hear him as he calls us to give, as he calls us to provide for others, as he calls us to share what we have with those who are in need? Do we hear him as he promises us, as his church, as his community, as he promises us his Father's kingdom? He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. This is our call. This is the prayer that we have prayed for millennia. Your kingdom come. This is why every week we gather. This is why every week we share together. This is why every week we come to the table, we take of the cup, we take of the loaf, and we remind ourselves that when God saw us at our very worst, he gave us his very best. That God did not withhold from us, but that he shared with us. And so the table becomes an appropriate place for us to remember There's a call for us to share. We don't take these, although you may be in your home individually today and and we may be gathered today later in in the church building here taking this. We, We don't take these individually. We take this together, wherever we are. It's a reminder that every one of us owes our lives and owes our eternities to a God who gave completely and who calls us to give and who responds to us in our weakness and in our need. And he says, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. Will you pray with me as we prepare to take together? Oh, Father, we thank you. I think of those words, it is your good pleasure. Lord, that does not seem consistent at all with a broken body and with spilled blood. But Father, it it reflects your love It reflects the way that you care for us. And it reflects the grace that we've not only known for ourselves, but the grace that we desire to extend to others. Lord, I pray today as we take this, that it is a call for each one of us to seek the opportunity this week to extend your kingdom to one more person through the way that we love, through the way we encourage, through the way that we reach out, through the way that we share with someone else and care for someone else. Lord, this week, let us find just one, just one person, and let's make sure the kingdom comes to them, to your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today. God bless. Go in peace.